It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Hey, this is Gabe DeArmond. Quick note before uh, you listen to this week's podcast with Neil McCready from RebelGrove.com. Neil was on the road driving in Mississippi. The first three to four minutes is very choppy audio that it's going to be a little bit of a struggle to get through. We got it corrected after that, but the uh, the first three or four minutes is is a little bit tough to listen to. So we apologize for that, but do stick with the podcast or, frankly, just fast forward three or four minutes and everything gets much better after that. All right, welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty hoping to not float away in Columbia, Missouri uh, this afternoon. And Neil McCready from rebelgrove.com joining us, uh, I don't know, somewhere on the road in Mississippi. What's up, Neil? Fellows, how are you all? Uh, Doing well. It's a sad day for me, but, you know, it's it's a new day. I wake up a a lifelong Nationals fan, and – I'm ready to embrace Anthony Renone and uh, Soto and Scherzer and Strasburg and Doolittle and all the Nationals, the guy I've been cheering for all of my life since about 45 this morning. Right. In like three weeks, you have rooted for like four baseball teams and they have all proceeded to lose. So you've got an excellent track record. Um, well done on that. I, I believe it is probably in our best interest to avoid all baseball playoff talk on this podcast if we want anybody to listen which obviously we do. So um, we're going to move on. I mean, it's, your, it's, it's your livelihood at stake, not mine. So, you know, whatever. Okay. Well, Neil is a big Nationals fan. I am a baseball agnostic. Mitchell is a... Pretty agnostic. I, I covered... Mitchell is the son of a largely irritating Cardinal and Bronco fan on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I covered the Cardinals for a summer. I have some familiarity with them. Uh, you know... Uh, me and me and Yadier Molina had an interesting uh, interaction one time. I got yelled at by a former Cardinals manager who may or may not be the next manager of the Royals. That's about all. That's about all I have to say. All good times. So, uh, <laughs> all right, I guess we'll talk some college football on this podcast because that's what we do. So, Neil, I was on with you guys. Uh, I, I guess that, that podcast is up on your site right now. But one of the things we talked about, like, has Ole Miss unintentionally gotten better by having a uh, quarterback switch that that they didn't necessarily anticipate having. Yeah, so see, it's kind of complicated. Uh, Matt Corral's a redshirt freshman. He started the first four games of the season. He got hurt in the fourth quarter of their game against Cal. Uh, John Rice Plumley came in. He's a true freshman, really super athletic kid. Can really run. Uh, his his speed is somewhat shocking when you see it in person. He can really move. Not all that adept as a thrower. And their offense has kind of thrived since he came in. He led a comeback that came up just short against Cal. They put up 31 points at Alabama. So that's up for interpretation. And then they um, were pretty good against a very bad, I do mean very bad, Vanderbilt team. And so in some ways he fits what their offense can do right now better than Corral does. Yet there's no doubt, at least in my mind, that Corral's the better quarterback. Corral's the guy with the highest, higher of the two upsides as a quarterback. But Corral's doing what most freshman quarterbacks do. That's There's a learning curve with decision-making, with accuracy, with 
and they have served him well. I don't know, and I've been in the league for a long time, I don't know that it is sustainable in this league to have your quarterback run 23 and a half times per game. And that's what he's done against Alabama and Cal. I just don't know how many times you can do that in this league against the linebackers and the safety that you see in this league virtually on every roster before you either get hurt or before you get dinged to the point that your running is no longer effective. I think you have to be able to throw the ball. And he has not shown that he can consistently make throws. So, Neil, follow-up question for you. Uh, I know Matt Corral has been listed as kind of like questionable uh the past couple of games has not ended up playing there's you know a chance that he, he could play this week uh if he's healthy do you anticipate him playing and, and do you think i guess you know he, he could help the offense yeah if he's healthy i think he almost has to play unless well i think missouri's run defense is really good i think they're going to take plumley away at least to a degree that if corral's available play Ole Miss will play him the only scenario the two scenarios where he doesn't play is if they just determine that he is not ready to take a hit yet with his ribs or if, and again, I think this is incredibly unlikely, if Plumlee's feet are beating Missouri, they'll stay with that, obviously, because they've got a stable of running backs and Plumlee basically is a, a glorified running back at times. So I, I guess if those would be the two scenarios. Otherwise, I think Corral plays and probably plays a good bit. All right, so... If let's say Plumlee isn't a great runner, I mean we know what Ole Miss's numbers are on the ground. Do they have another way to win a game like this? I mean, uh, you know, uh, it, there's a lot of teams that hey they do one thing really well, but if you take that one thing away, there's really not another way. I mean, if Ole Miss doesn't run the ball well, can they win this game? Uh, no, <laughs> no, they have to be able to run. They have to be able to run the ball effectively, and they, there's more to them than just John Rice Plumlee, uh, right? Scotty Phillips is a very good SEC back. Uh, Jerry Ealy is going to be a star in this league. He's a true freshman. Just You'll love watching him run. He's he's a really fun running back. He reminds me a lot of uh, Christian McCaffrey, frankly. He reminds me a lot of him uh, back at Stanford. And then, uh, you know, Stu Connor has been very good, another true freshman who has who's been very effective when he's been given the ball. He hasn't gotten the ball a lot, but when he's gotten it, he's been he's been very effective with it. So they have multitude of ways to, to get you on the ground and they're they're good at that. But at some point, yeah, you gotta throw the ball. Elijah Moore is the only proven wide receiver at this point. And he's got a growing issue. He did not practice Tuesday. He did not practice Wednesday. I think he'll play, but it's worth questioning how effective he'll be, how healthy he'll be. And they, they really depend on a lot of freshmen at wide receivers, too. It, it, this is – every team does this with, hey, we're young, because in college you're young. But this is a really inexperienced team that's still sort of, you know, feeling their way through this season. And uh, some young guys have stepped up, and, and, and they've definitely gotten better over the course of the season. There's no doubt about that. But going on the road in the SEC with this many question marks and this many kids – Frankly, I think the only way Ole Miss wins the game is if it's on the field on a night when Missouri beats itself. Uh, Neil, switching sides of the ball, I know Ole Miss's numbers against the run have been pretty good this season. I think they're top 20 nationally yeah. against the run. How much of that is you know, Ole Miss uh, really being good against the run, and how much is the fact that their pass defense has been bad enough that other teams haven't had to run very much? It's both. It's both, for sure. Uh, 
they're, they're a much better defensive team than they were a year ago. They're incredibly better coached. Mike McIntyre's done a really a stellar job, frankly. He's, he's probably put himself in position to get back into some, some head coaching conversations. He's done a really good job with this group. but it, It's a pretty young group as well, especially on the back end. They have committed themselves since day one, Mitchell, to they're going to stop the run. They're going to make you beat them in the air, knowing that a lot of teams can beat them in the air. Uh, the, you know, Southeastern Louisiana gave them a scare because they had a quarterback who could throw the ball. Um, Arkansas made a run at them when Starkle got hot. But they've been able to make enough plays back there to survive a little bit, and now they're playing three true freshmen in their secondary. They're talented kids. They're inexperienced, obviously. But they're going to stick with that plan, I think. I don't think there's any doubt that's the plan they're going to take. They're going to try to – force Kelly Bryant to beat them with his arm and not with his feet, try to take Roundtree, not out of the game, but not let him go wild. And so far, they've they've done a really good job against every running back they faced. They've just, as you said, they've gotten torched with vertical balls and, and that kind of thing, and uh, that remains a problem, and I think it's probably going to be a problem for them the rest of the season. I think they're just sort of gambling that, you know, Maybe a quarterback makes a couple of mistakes. Uh, you know, maybe a game gets into a fourth quarter and, and you get a sack or you get a turnover or something like that. I think that's sort of their path. But I don't think you're going to see them do a bunch of dime coverage things and suddenly allow teams like Missouri to get comfortable on the ground running the football. I just think that's their strategy to take the run away and hope for the best. Well, it, it'll be interesting this week because Kelly Bryant is – Supposed to play, coming off a knee injury. I don't even know if you call it an injury if he plays, but I, I think Missouri might be forced to, to kind of abandon the quarterback run this week and, and ask Bryant to win this game with his arm. But Ole, Ole Miss is 3-3. Three and three. Um, You know, could have easily beaten Cal and Memphis. Maybe could have dropped another one along the way. Uh, but they're about where they should be. So they've got Auburn and LSU left on the schedule. We're going to assume – that those probably are going to be losses. So Old Miss's bowl hopes really come down to they've got to win two out of three against Missouri, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State. Is that – I mean, before the season, would you have thought this was a team that had a shot at six wins, and now is this a team that can go win two of those three? I thought they had an outside shot at six-slash-seven wins, but to get there, they had to beat Memphis – and to really get there, they had to beat Memphis and Cal. You know, if they were 5-1 and one right now, they'd be sitting pretty because New Mexico State's on the schedule. That's a sixth win. Games like this one are free shots. Look, I think there's a path. I don't think it includes a win at Columbia. If they win against Missouri, it's an upset in my eyes, period. I think they could beat Texas A&M at home. I'm not saying they will beat Texas A&M at home, but – Kellen Mond is not Kelly Bryant. Kellen Mond can get rattled. Kellen Mond can get really dependent on his feet. And Ole Miss is pretty good against teams that get run-oriented. And they'll force some mistakes and that kind of thing. And that game will be at home. It'll be at night. They'll they'll have an opportunity in that game. I agree with you they're not going to win at Auburn. I agree with you they're not going to beat LSU. Uh, I think, obviously, they'll beat New Mexico State. So in that scenario, they'd have five wins going to Mississippi State. And while State is a better team 
than Ole Miss. I don't know that they're significantly better. They're kind of weird. They've got some hard games coming up. Uh, they're not an explosive offensive team either. They're very run dependent. It's kind of a good matchup for Ole Miss. So I think there's a path to six wins. I don't think it's likely, but they could get there and it would be one hell of an accomplishment. They've, there's a lot of people around Oxford and around Ole Miss that, you know, it's like every other fan base. They want to fire the coach and fire this guy and fire that guy. Right now, firing Matt Luke would be absolutely insane, in my opinion. He's built a nice foundation. He's got a really good recruiting class coming in. And, you know, it's, it's a cold business, but you're much better off letting him continue to build the foundation at least for another year, and then one of two things happens. He either breaks through and they start winning some games, and all of a sudden maybe you found your coach for the next 10 to 15 years, or he doesn't, and he leaves the program in better shape for the next guy, and his successor builds on the foundation that that he laid. And that, that's cold-hearted, but it's the way the, the business works. And But getting rid of him right now as a knee-jerk reaction to losses to Memphis and Cal and stuff would be incredibly short-sighted in my opinion. Yeah, Neil, you, you kind of, when I partially answered my, my next question, I was just going to ask, you know, obviously Ole Miss coming off of a, a two-year postseason ban and, and other sanctions and um, you know that you, you had a good uh, analogy the last time we talked to you of, of kind of like they had that paid off the minimum on their credit card bill over and over and over and now it's finally catching up with them uh, with all the young starters this season uh, you, you know do you feel like you know that this season the expectations were a little out of whack from from the fan base or are people relatively you know understanding of you know that this is going to be a process to get Ole Miss back to where we want it to be well I know this will shock you guys because you, you uh <laughs> You write stuff for a perfectly rational fan base that never all? has high expectations. I mean, we all do, right? Yeah, no, there were people that before the season, they do the emotional thing. I mean, come on, we, we, they're cheering for their laundry, and they're cheering for their school, and that's their guys, and they like their guys, and they start coming up with ways to get to eight wins and the nine wins, and then that becomes expectation. It was always crazy. <laughs> this was always going to be the painful year. Frankly, they're better than I thought they'd be. Their win-loss record might not be exactly where I thought it. So it's, it's a dichotomy a little bit. They're actually a better football team than I thought they'd be. Their win-loss record is a game lower than I thought it would be right now. I thought they'd beat Memphis. I thought they'd lose to Cal. I thought they'd beat Memphis. I thought they'd get to this point, 4-2, and two, and then have a shot, you know, to just find a win somewhere other than New Mexico State and get to six. And obviously, it's going to be a little more complicated than that. But back to the credit card analogy, they've been able to make a couple of big payments, and they haven't bounced a check yet. They're okay. I mean, they're, they're, there's some progress. They're, you'll see out there on Saturday night, they're playing a lot of freshmen, a lot of redshirt freshmen, a lot of sophomores, and it's guys that are playing well. And they're kind of getting their lumps right now because that's how it works in this league. But if you told me that this same group in 2021 is winning these games, I'd buy it. All right. So what? one thing that factors into this as far as the future of the program, uh, as far as I know, Ole Miss is still without an, an AD because Ross Bjork went to Texas A&M. The, the, the parallels between Matt Luke and Barry Odom are pretty, pretty stunning to me. I mean, 
you know, a, a team that was dealing with some NCAA stuff, hired a guy that played there because probably largely in both cases they weren't really in a position to go get somebody else. And then the AD moves on. Now, uh, the AD moved on early enough in Barry Odom's career that I think he was able to stabilize it a little bit and, and build some belief with Jim Sterk. But where's the AD search and how much does that factor into what Ole Miss is going to do after this this next either this season or next season? Well, they just wrapped up a chancellor search in the uh, craziest of ways. They absolutely aborted the search, and the guy that was conducting the search became the new chancellor. <laughs> they tried to introduce him last Friday. Uh, protesters prevented it from happening. See, so they see people issued... think that stuff only happens here. I was so happy to see that, that there was some craziness somewhere else. <laughs> So they just did it in a press release, and he did a teleconference where he came across as smug and haughty. And, uh, yes, it was really, really good PR for the institution. (laughs) Um, So I'm sure that the AD hire has already been done. It's just coke and dagger, and they're going to bring in some good old boy to make some of the uh, hardcore Jackson boys happy. I mean, I'm being totally serious. If you told me it was done and that no one figured it out yet, I'd I'd buy it. well, here's the thing about Matt Luke. I don't know Barry Odom. I've, I've never met him other than, like, passing at SEC media days and stuff. But from afar, he seems like a really good person. He seems like a really genuine guy, uh, pretty honest, the whole deal. I always catch myself kind of cheering for him, if that makes any sense. And maybe maybe the people that deal with him think he's the absolute worst person on earth. I have no idea. He seems like a really good dude. Matt Luke's like that. Matt Luke's a really good guy. He's, he's, he's genuine. He's humble. He's he's not full of himself. He's all of those things. He's the kind of guy that you'd love to see have success because you like to see nice people achieve. Sometimes I wonder if he's too nice for this business. But I don't know. He, I don't know what's going to happen with the AD chancellor the faculty senate's getting ready to to do a a vote of no confidence for the chancellor that will help student recruiting i'm sure (laughs) um you know it's i just don't know i mean what you don't know is does a chancellor let's say Ole Miss loses some of the games we just talked about they lose to missouri they lose to texas a&m at home they lose to auburn they lose to lsu they lose to mississippi state none of that is unrealistic they go four and eight and the chancellor hires the new AD, the chancellor's embattled, and he goes, hey, let's do something to get the heat off of me. Let's fire him and go hire somebody that, that the good old boys will be happy about. I don't know who that would be at this point. But if you told me that happened, I've covered college athletics enough to know that uh, rich people with their, in, with their emotions involved in college football make really dumb, spur-of-the-moment decisions – I could see that happening. So it's it's up in the air. It would be nonsensical, but listen, nothing that has happened at Ole Miss since Hugh Freeze's proclivity for uh, Asian massage, <laughs> nothing nothing that has happened at Ole Miss has been particularly predictable in the aftermath of that. Other than this, and this is, this is what Ole Miss people need to be aware of, Matt Luke has stabilized that program. They haven't had any trouble off the field. Literally, I can't think of any trouble off the field to speak of. Their APR is better. Their their overall GPA, all that stuff is better. And I know that's not the scoreboard business. I get it. But you 
sometimes have to lay those foundations before the scoreboard starts to work out in your favor. The program was spiraling out of control under Hugh Freeze at the end. Right now, the program's in under total control. It is steady. They go to work every day. It is calm. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. The kids seem to be generally happy with the state of the program, the way they're coached, all that stuff. you got to be real confident that you can do better when you decide to pull the, the, the carpet out, out under that. I mean, that sounds incredibly boring. <laughs> yeah, you said Ole Miss – Things have been nonsensical, and that's probably, I mean, true to a, a greater extent than most colleges. But I think, uh, like, you could just make that statement about all of college athletics and college football. Um, last thing for me, Neil, uh, you know, one of the u- unique things, obviously, that the SEC scheduling is that this will be the first time Ole Miss is coming to Columbia, Missouri, since I have no idea when, but definitely since Mizzou joined the SEC. Um, is this is this the type of game you see, you know, a lot of fans maybe uh, coming to just to, uh, to get to a new place that's relatively close by? Well, it's just so far east of Oxford that I, I don't know, you know. <laughs> that's why Missouri's you know, in the east. That's why Missouri's in the east. It's so far east. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I think some people will go. You know, it's uh, you can stop in St. Louis, and, and it's a new place, and they haven't been there since Orgeron was the coach back in, I think, the early 2000s. I think they did a home-and-home with Missouri back in the day. Yeah, Patrick Willis Chase was Dan- on that team. Uh, yeah, Patrick Willis and Chase Daniel were on those yeah. two teams, if I recall correctly. So it's been a minute. So, yeah, I can see it where they take some people. But, you know, look, morale's kind of down. The fans aren't completely bought in. Obviously, there's a lot going on. So, yeah, if they just bring a ton of people. And from every indication, getting lodging and such in Columbia is pretty difficult this weekend. Yeah, that's that's what we've heard. It might actually be a decent crowd. All right, we'll wrap you up and let you get back to your uh... – put your focus back on the road after this but uh basketball starting up everywhere when missouri was hiring a coach three years ago kermit davis was the name i brought up missouri fans universally told me that would be awful and they would hate it um kermit's doing a pretty good job down in oxford he should have a good team again this year right yeah they're gonna be good he's done an incredible job i i didn't think that somebody could turn that roster over as quickly as he did and then turn the roster over as quickly as he did and make the NCAA tournament like he did last year. And they had a quick exit. Oklahoma popped them in, in round one. But just making the tournament last year was a big-time accomplishment. And they bring back a, uh, a veteran backcourt. Brian Tyree and Devontae Schuler are back. Blake Henson and K.J. Buffin, who played a lot last year, are now sophomores. They brought in uh, two impactful post players, uh, Hadim C started his career at Virginia Tech. He's at Ole Miss now. Uh, Sammy Hunter is a kid out of the Bahamas that they're super high on. Uh, he's going to play a lot. Um, they added Austin Crowley from uh, Sunrise in, in Kansas, who is uh, going to play a lot and, and give them some quality minutes. They had a couple of kids on their bench last season who uh, redshirted because of some health issues who are not only back, but they look really good. They're going to be a deep team. They're going to be athletic. They're going to be talented. They're going to be able to do a lot more of the things defensively that Kermit Davis teams like to do. If you go back and look at his Middle Tennessee teams, he's a good hire. I mean, he, he was a really good hire for Ole Miss, and it has been a perfect fit for him. And, and uh, unlike football where they're trying to convince people to buy tickets, there's a, there's ticket demand at Ole Miss. That I expect huge crowds all year. They've got a really nice arena. They've 
they've kind of got the basketball thing figured out in short order. I, I, I don't think they're winning the SEC by any stretch. They're not Kentucky. They're not Florida. But, if, you know, I think they're one of – and we talked about this a little bit with you, Gabe. They're like two great teams in the league, and then there's one bad team in Vanderbilt, a couple of teams that probably struggle to really be competitive. And then there's a group that includes both Ole Miss and Missouri that – there, there's not a lot separating them. I mean, Ole Miss could finish as high as third, as low as ninth or tenth. Yeah. I think all of that is realistic. Well, and it, it helps Kermit Davis that he has the SEC's honorary seventh-year senior, I guess, Brian <laughs> Tyree, who has been there, I think, since Missouri was in the Big 12. Yeah, he's, he's – Brian Tyree signed during the Kennedy administration. John F. <laughs> not the Andy Kennedy not, one. Not the Andy Kennedy, the John F. Kennedy. He's, He's been there a while. He's played a lot. He's made a bunch of big shots in his career. And, uh, you know, Devontae Shuler's a third-year player. And, you know, you, can, you you guys both like basketball the way I do. In college basketball, when you have a veteran backcourt that has played a lot and also played a lot together, you win some close games. Yeah. And that's what I kind of expect with this, with this group. They – They've got guys they can go to. They'll miss Terrence Davis, though. Terrence Davis made the Raptors. He's playing in the NBA, and which is an incredibly cool story if you've covered Terrence Davis like I did for four years. They'll miss him, but they've got the pieces to replace him. And, and um, I expect them to be a really good team. I expect them to be. I expect them to be a tournament team that's capable of getting to the second weekend. All right, well, Neil, thanks for the time, man. I know you got uh, got stuff going on today, but uh, we'll, 6 o'clock Saturday night, I will uh, wave toward Oxford and pretend you are in the press box with us. That'll be so sweet, Gabe. I appreciate it. I'll have my <laughs> Nationals jersey on. All right, have a good one, man. Bye. Neil, Bye. Neil McCready, rebelgrove.com, uh, covers Ole Miss. And, like, I like having Neil on because he's one of the more realistic people, um, you know, and – when Kelly Bryant went down, I actually was texting or talking to Neil on Sunday, and he said, "Oh, look, Missouri's going to win this game." Yeah. I, you know, and now he he tends to be a little bit um, skeptical when it comes to Ole Miss. But the bottom line is, I, Kelly Bryant being out would would be damaging. Yeah. I said I thought Kale Garrett was Missouri's best player, but Kelly Bryant's yeah. the most important for sure. But let's assume that everybody's telling the truth and he plays. If you lose to Ole Miss because Kale Garrett's out, like your program's just not in the shape you want us to believe it's in. Yeah, I'll say this: uh, this is definitely a looks like a harder matchup than I thought it was going to be. You know, this in the is past the third few weeks, toughest game on their schedule. Yeah, right? I, I would say so. Um, like you know, just from Missouri standpoint, Ole Miss they really shut down the run, and with even a you know limited Kelly Bryant, you you, you want to run the ball. Obviously, you don't want to sit him back there and throw downfield forty times a game. And they do the one thing Missouri has struggled to defend at times this season, which is run the ball with multiple options, like misdirection. With the you know, you, you have a quarterback who can run. You have some tailbacks that can really hit home runs. Um, and with Kale Garrett out, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if they break one or two big ones, yeah. um, just because he was kind of one of those guys that cleaned up everyone's mistakes. However, yes, having said that, I mean, 
one, I, I still expect Missouri's defense to, to play pretty well. I mean, it's not just Kayla Garrett. That whole defense has been really good. You know, Jordan Elliott, Nick Bolton, and the two safeties, they've been really good. And two, you know, if if Kelly Bryant is able to play, I, I don't know that Ole Miss's pass defense yeah. can cover anyone. Right. I, I don't expect – I expect Ole Miss to put up more numbers against Missouri's defense than anybody has since yeah, Wyoming. I would agree. But if I say, what's the number that if Missouri scores this, they win the game? Oh, I, I mean, I would say if Missouri gets to thirty, they they're still going to. I was even going to say like twenty five. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, the most I could see Ole Miss scoring is like twenty four. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, who knows? You know, like things can obviously change that. Like if like you know they break off a few big plays, like Wyoming did, or Mizzou has like a pick, throws a pick six or something like that. But yeah, no, I I think I, I think I have uh, in my prediction have Ole Miss scoring like seventeen. Yeah, I have not made a prediction yet, but here's the other thing about this game. I think the the first quarter is big because look, they, we know they can't stop the pass. So if Missouri somehow jumps out 14 nothing, right. Old Miss can't just sit there and run the ball. Uh, now, I say that and Wyoming did it, but <laughs> yeah. that that had a couple of weird plays that yeah. really let them back in. And I mean, if you're taking a two-score lead into the second half, Old Miss can't just sit and run the ball, and if they can't sit and run the ball, they can't win. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, and uh, we'll see if you know maybe Matt Corral is able to come in and, and throw the ball a little bit. But I, I don't know. I find it weird to try to do the the, the rotating quarterback thing, especially yeah. when you have one that can only run and one that can only pass. And I because, think this guy has made Ole Miss's offense better, right? And like now, you know, you you're gonna know well Matt Corral's coming in. They're they're gonna try to throw this time. Okay, no, he's not in. They're gonna run. Like I don't I, know. You know, th- that goes back. This is before your day, but a lot of people listening. Uh, when I was a I don't know, maybe a sophomore in college. They had Corby Jones and Kent Scornia. And it was like whenever Corby Jones was on the field, they were running the ball. Like mm-hmm. he never passed. And yeah. then Kent Scornia would come in and you would know they were. Th- I'm like, if I can see this standing on the sideline, I'm sure the other defensive coordinator that's making hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> has figured it out. Yeah. And oddly, that was not a great football team. So they probably yeah. did figure it out. Yeah. Um, I, we mentioned basketball. I mean, they're going to have an open practice this weekend. It, it, we'll go over. I look, we're not going to be able to tell anything. It's going to be an hour. They're opening it to the public. I doubt it's even really a scrimmage. Right. It's mostly probably just kind of a like a jog through type situation. Here's our players in their uniforms. Please look at right. them and buy tickets. Right. Please come watch them shoot the ball around a little bit. Maybe not they'll let Mario McKinney dunk. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it will go over there, but I, I don't expect to, to draw a lot out of that. So, um, I don't know. Is there anything else going on? Uh, man, not really. You know, I don't know. They, it's finally a decent week in college football, though. There's yeah. finally some good games. Yeah, definitely. Florida Auburn. Um, I mean, or not Florida Auburn. Florida I, LSU. I don't. I not. I yeah. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really don't want to get into it, but we're gonna miss most of it due to the uh, the the six p.m. I'm not a yes. fan of six p.m. kickoffs, but that's okay. We're not gonna go there. It's gonna be a nice weekend. Uh, as as Barry Adams said, should be a great day for for college football in Columbia, Missouri. Fifty one degrees, and finally, uh, you know, the monsoon should be over by Saturday. Yeah, we'll see. So. I might have to dr- paddle my kayak to the game. <laughs> six p.m. ESPN two. Um, we will be there. We'll be back next week uh, talking Vandy. Might start to get into a little college basketball talk on the podcast next week. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you then.